Okay, welcome, folks. Welcome back here to Zupi the Auto Talent Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm here with a national team member, downhill uh, mogul skier, uh, Gabriel Dufre. Hopefully, I get that pronunciation right. A little yep. bit of practice. <laughs> um, welcome on board, and you're out at Quebec right now, I believe you said. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Very, very happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, you're coming on board. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. What I kind of tell my athletes is uh, I'm excited because I get to learn about new sports. Uh, your sport, I have not, uh, I've done a couple skiers, but not specifically in the, the moguls and downhill. So I'm excited to learn uh, the process and the journey and how you've gone into the sport. Uh, so it always excites me to uh, learn about the sport and then obviously learn about your your journey as well here. So just kind of get things started off. I like to work on like a timeline. So why don't you give me a little bit of a kind of a brief introduction, you know, how you got introduced uh, to the sport uh, and just growing up uh, on the mountains and seemed like you were at, at this at a young age. So kind of give me your background on how this all came to be. Yeah. So um, my, my dad specifically has always uh, been a skier. He skied his whole life. And uh, um, as far as I can remember, uh, my, my parents always had a, a cottage, a place in the, near the mountain. So on the weekends, uh, they wanted to go, uh, well, they wanted to go ski in the weekends. Uh, so uh, I think I, I was uh, a year and a half uh, old when I, I started skiing. And my sister is a bit, uh, is a little bit older. So I was, she started first, but then I was at the bottom of the mountain and I, I saw her ski and I wanted to do the same thing. So uh, they, they put me on, on the skis at a pretty young age and uh, yeah, I so I started fa- fairly young, and I did the, all the uh, all the normal uh, um, classes, and um, from I'd say three to uh, eight, nine, uh, nine years old, and then um, I was seeing and on the weekends there's a freestyle uh, mogul skiing club, uh, and it's it's like uh, it's in a slope where everyone can see it from the bottom of the mountain. Uh, all that was in Val Saint-Colm, where I, I started skiing and learned uh, basically everything. And um, yeah, I was just seeing the, the kind of the, the cool tricks they were doing. Um, you know, they were kind of skiing fast between big bumps of, of snow and uh, jumping, doing nice tricks. And uh, I thought it would be fun to try that. And so I try one year uh, kind of for fun, only the Saturdays. Um, and I remember I didn't really like it at first. Um, and I remember the, the season after I tried a year of snowboarding and that was kind of, a I didn't like that either. Well, I, I hated it to be honest. So I came <laughs> back to skiing and then, um, I, uh, I had some friends, I had some friends that, uh, I stayed in the Mogul skiing club and I wanted to give it another try after that. I, I was around 10 years old. Um, yeah, so I, I came back to the the, the Mogul Skiing Club. I did the com- uh, my first competitive season. It went pretty well in the on the regional level. Uh, and yeah, I had the back then. I had some uh, some models, some friends that were quite a bit older than I than I was, and they were doing like all the tougher tricks. And uh, yeah, so they these guys uh, went on to go on Quebec team. Uh, but I was I'm like five six years old. Uh, younger than they were so my goal was always to go try to to reach them on their level and try to ski 
with them at some point. And uh, yeah, so when these friends from the club, they, they went on Quebec team, I was, my goal was to get on Quebec team as, as fast as possible so I could ski with them. So I, uh, I worked hard, very, uh, I worked very hard uh, in those years. And uh, when I finally made it to Quebec team, they, they were on national team. So my goal was to to go on national team and kind of ski with my friends and uh, you know my idols and my friends at the same time and uh, so I I ended up making the national team uh, late uh, April 2015 uh, and I was able to ski a couple of years with them uh, uh, before they retired because they're, they're they're a bit older than I am but I I was able to share uh, a couple World Cup starts with with some of them and. Some good, uh, some good memories uh, along the way in training camps and rooming with them, and it was uh, it was very nice and longtime friend that we became uh, uh, teammates, and yeah, it was just uh, it was awesome to to live for a few years. Oh, that's awesome! It's always nice when you have a couple good good friends, good buddies to kind of share the experience and uh, go yeah. for the ride, go for the ride with. So obviously, like it seems like you had this is kind of a obviously chasing you know, your friends and where they were kind of heading. So you kind of seemed like you had a vision off the start, but growing up, like was winter, did you ski just like during the winter seasons? And then how did that conflict with, you know, being a student at school? Uh, how'd you kind of manage your time and kind of moving up and prioritizing everything around those kind of things? Yeah. So I, I remember the, let's say from 10 years old to 14, I was on, on the Valsaikon ski club and, uh, it was only on the, on the weekends. So it was only Saturday and Sunday, but obviously if you're trying to make it, uh, to Quebec team, you might need to do extra work on the side. So uh, I was, uh, my parents were driving me on a Tuesday night, I believe to uh, ski a couple hours with a private coach in the Saint-Sauveur. Um, so I, I remember doing a bit of uh, extra work. And uh, back then I was uh, playing basketball in my high school. So it was kind of a matter of choosing uh, what I wanted to make my priority. Um, it wasn't hard for me to choose a skiing. I was just missing a ton of basketball practice and games. But uh, it was it was cool for the, the training. It got, kept me, like, got me in shape. Uh, you know, at that age, you don't really lift weight. You try to have a decent cardio and be kind of a mobile and agile, agile athlete. Um, so yeah, I was only, you know, I, I wasn't missing much school, uh, other than maybe four or five weekends in the winter, uh, when there's a provincial competition, it would be a three day competition. So we would miss, uh, some Fridays at school, but nothing crazy. Uh, when you make it to Quebec team, the, back then there were two levels. It was development team and then the performance team on Quebec team. And. The first, uh, the development team, it's uh, it's very similar to uh, yeah the the club schedule. We would just train a bit more in the summer, go do a training camp uh, in France in July, um, and then when you move on to performance team, you you need to uh, to use all your Fridays uh, for training purpose. So uh, that's when it got interesting with school, trying to uh, you know get good grades and at the same time like keep training, keep improving in the, in my sport as well. Uh, and, and once you're on national team, it's a, uh, especially back then, it's a, it's a full on, uh, it's a full on job. You can't really go to, to school, uh, physically you pretty much on light school. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, 
Yeah, what is the saying though? Eat, sleep, and train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure you guys I've you know, I've heard it enough that you guys it's it's just crazy when you get to that next level. Like it's no joke. You're literally yeah. doing that cycle over and over and over again. So time is valuable, whether it's training, competing, or just uh resting and recovery, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, in Quebec you think you're training a lot and then you make it your first summer of uh your off your first off season with the national team and it's it's uh yeah it's like five times more training volume and uh, now you're really training and then it's trying to keep some consistency throughout the years of like uh, uh you know doing a lot of, a, a lot or, or enough of volume and trying to stay healthy and motivated it's kind of the the the, the challenge these days because i've done all the volume back then i i you know i've been on the national team uh, since i was 18 19 years old and uh, when you're younger, your body is a bit fresher, and it's a, it's a pretty rough sport on the body. So it's a, it's a definitely challenging to stay healthy and tr- trying to have a long career. But uh, yeah, now now these days it's about finding that balance between you know having enough volume, uh, having good training sessions more than uh, a lot. You know, it's more quality than quantity at the moment. Um, just because I know that I did a lot of quantity in my in my life in my career yeah yeah i and i find that uh talking to some of the athletes depending on where they are in their kind of journey uh, you kind of center right like you might be more of the veteran guy now you have a young a young athlete coming up their training's not going to necessarily look like yours and if you're trying to compete with them with the volume then you're probably hindering yourself a little bit more because like you said your body needs a little bit of a little bit of different rest and because of what you've gone through and just with comes with age right so um absolutely very important when you have your coaches to make sure they're keeping you on track um and um communicating with you what you need because like you said you don't always have to go in 100 percent um if no need be depending on where your mind and body is at uh, in your career yeah absolutely yeah that's it and um, yeah, like you said, I'm not a veteran or one of the veterans. My, uh, a lot of my teammates are retiring now. I'm, I believe other than Mikael Kingsbury, who's been on the team forever. Cause he's, he, he got on the team, I think at 16 or 17 years old and he's now 30 years old, but you know, he's kind of a outlier was his his career is, uh, is very, very impressive on match and, uh, if you take him out of the equation, I'm the all next season. I'll be the oldest, uh, the oldest and most experienced uh, athlete on the Canadian freestyle ski team. Uh, yeah, that comes with uh, being smart with training. That's for sure because <laughs> you don't get to, you know, 26. I'm 26 now. I'll be 27 in a couple months, and it's in a lot of different sports. It's not very very old, um, you know, but in mogul skiing, making's very is a He's 30 years old, and this year he was the oldest athlete on World Cup on World Cup tour. So, it says a lot about our sport. Um, it's unfortunate because I think the it's it's like every sport. I think 30 years old around that it's kind of your peak in, as an athlete. But there's not a whole lot of people that can get to 30 years old in mogul skiing and uh, kind of uh, find out what their peak is, right? So it's. Um, I still think it's 30, around 30 years old where your peak is as an athlete in our sport, but it's about finding, you know, um, yeah, staying healthy, motivated, and also 
one of the reasons I believe is because it's not very lucrative doing what we're doing. Yeah. So at some point people need to move on uh, to, uh, you know, go to school or uh, go work a real job at some point. Yeah. Uh, we're not like hockey players making a lot of money. So it's, uh, I think that plays a, uh, plays a factor into the decision of retiring that too, too old as well. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think sports in general, I think the athletes and I mean, your sport seems even more so that the athletes are becoming so good at such a young, younger age now, just with, you know, the technology, the knowledge we have with training, whether it's, um, technical, whether it's, you know, in the gym that these athletes, like you said, they're coming out there, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So yeah. when they're moving into these programs, well, then, you know, the, the veterans have to, you know, pick up their games is pick up their game as, as well, or else, you know, they're they're getting knocked off a spot, uh, yep. whatever sport it may be. So I find that these athletes are so young and they're so becoming so good so early on. So yeah. 30, I think in most sports, let's say 30 to 35 is, is a peak because of everything that you mentioned along with just new people, new athletes coming through, uh, the systems. And that just goes to show you how hard it is to be a professional and compete at this level along with all the training and stuff you're talking about. So I always, you know, give a little kudos to you guys and people don't under, always understand that, but like it's, um, it's really, truly next level stuff. Um, so that's, that's amazing. So I'm just, re I was just reading here. So my next question was kind of, when did you really, when did the Olympics kind of, or Olympics and the national team, obviously you're ch trying to chasing your friends up the ranks, uh, but you have here 20 or 2006 you watched the Trino Olympic Games and that was kind of a big inspiration to you. So maybe talk to me how that kind of inspired you to, you know, keep pursuing uh, your dreams and uh, the search for the Olympic Games. Yeah, of course. So uh, 2006, I was 10 years old, I believe. So I would have been doing competitive mogul skiing for, for a whole year. Um, and yeah, I was, I remember uh, Alex Bilodeau was a, uh, at the beginning of his uh, professional career, he was only 18 years old and he went to the, the Olympic Games. Uh, at 18 years old in the sport, he's very young. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't do super well, but it was his first Olympics. I think he came, uh, I want to say 11th or 8th or 11th or something like that. But he, he was doing like uh, back then big tricks. I think he did the double fall in the uh, Cork 1080 in 2006. Is like the, one of the first to, to do it. Um, that's when I kind of followed the, I was following the national team throughout the season. You know, they did World Cup in Mount Gabriel. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I was just watching them. And when I saw the Olympics and I, I saw the, the, the winner, it was Del Smith, an Australian, but he, he's, uh, he's a Canadian who went to Australia. Oh, but, cool. uh, yeah, it was just, it was nice to see the national team kind of, you know, prepare for the big event and. Uh, seeing them, they didn't do great. Like it, they did, they did pretty good. Uh, Mark Calderon came fourth. Um, a few good results, but it was just like I, I thought it was so cool to see them, see them at the top of the course, and you know, going for the run of their lives. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of when I knew I, I, I would see myself doing that one day, and hopefully see myself doing that one day. And yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a mixture of my friends, you know. They were kind of on the edge of they were they were getting on Quebec team and I was so young and uh it's yeah, as far as I can remember, ten years old was when I, 
I really wanted to chase the dream of uh, being a, be, becoming an Olympian or at least a, a world-class uh, mogul skier from Canada. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. I think um, that's the special thing about the Olympics, right? Like you just watch an athlete and, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, but, you know, as a young kid, your eyes kind of light up and be like, hey, I, I want to do that one day. Um, Absolutely. And, and I always say to athletes, like, you never know who's watching, you know, whether they're at the stadium, whether they're on their screen, you know, staying up till five in the morning, depending yeah, where, exactly. where it is, you know, glued to the TV just to watch that yeah. one particular athlete or Team Canada, um, you know, it, it can change change your life, and the path you're on, right? Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very nice. So kind of, uh, explain to us, uh, obviously you're kind of telling us about, you know, your, uh, the different clubs and making your way up to the national team program, uh, with regards to mobile skiing, the qualification process, uh, to make it to the Olympic games. Do you want to explain that, uh, to those who are maybe new to the sport? Yeah. So basically we're like kind of a big freestyle family. We're, uh, the, the f- freestyle Canada has five disciplines. They have, uh, mogul skiing, aerials half pipe ski cross and uh, slope style so the way it works so freestyle canada gets a, a number of spots i believe in 2022 was 30 spots and uh yeah we're kind of fighting against all different disciplines uh to get in those uh, 30 spots so it'd be 30 spots including both genders meaning meaning that it wow. can be yeah so it's either 15, 15, 14, 16 on either side. So, yeah. uh, it was 16 male and 14 women at the last Olympics. Um, yeah. So the way it works is we have, uh, kind of a two season to try to do the best three results and the lowest score, um, is the, the lower your score, the, the better chances you have. So let's say making's very obviously is he won a lot of World Cup, so his three best scores would be three first place. So his yeah. total score would be three, three. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So that that's how it works uh, between disciplines. Uh, the hard part for us uh, mogul skiers is uh, our competition, our World Cup during the Olympic season. We're about sixty competitors, sixty male, about thirty-five to forty women's. Where other sports are competing against maybe 20, 22 per twenty-two athletes. Mm-hmm. So it's to make it into the top eight or top five for us, we have to beat a lot more people than other disciplines per se. Yeah. Um, and our sport is, uh, is very healthy, uh, just because Mick has been so dominant for 13, 14 years, uh, which, which makes like all the other countries pushing really, really hard to get close to make and try to beat him. Mm-hmm. So I'd say our, our mogul skiing has never been this strong, even this year where, where it was supposed to be a, uh, uh, you know, post Olympic season, usually it's when the, you know, it's a, you're going down a little bit in the caliber, but no, it was the first time I, I saw kind of the, the level, uh, rise again, even after an Olympic uh, cycle. Uh, so yeah, the, our sport is very healthy and we, we have to, to compete against other sports, uh, for other disciplines for few spots. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very hard. Uh, qualif- uh, qualification process. It's uh, I haven't I haven't been able to qualify yet. I I came very close in uh, 2022 uh, last year actually, uh, but yeah, didn't make it. Uh, 
yeah, it's a, uh, it's harsh. It's it's tough. It's we got to lie. It's a, uh, it was hard hard pill to swallow. But you know, it's it's sport, and uh, one thing for sure is I, with the opportunity that I was given, I I think I managed to do pretty well, and I was pretty happy with my effort and uh, my improvement throughout throughout COVID and last season, and uh, you know we. We had fewer events to to qualify than other disciplines. We, yeah, there, there was like a bunch of different um, challenges that uh, everyone. I say us muggle skiers, but everyone, uh, every discipline has to to figure it out. And especially in the COVID seasons, where training was a lot harder to uh, for us to train and like work fewer. Yeah, and like I was saying, it just and it just kind of shows you how hard, like you're talking about how hard it is to compete at this level. But when you start to learn about the sport and how you qualify, it makes it even more challenging um, when you have uh, a great team. I mean, it's kudos to the program that you, like you said, you're still, you guys have a really strong team. Um, it just speaks volume to the coaches, these organizations and what they're, how they're uh, marketing and running the team. So that's good. But it just makes it that much harder from what you're saying yeah. to, to make to make it to the uh, you know those Olympic games and whatnot. So uh, yeah, just that's why I like talking to you guys because you get to see a little bit of you know what exactly it entails to get uh, to get to the Olympics. And like you said, every sport's different. Every sport has its own challenges, um, which makes it uh, just a great a great journey and process. Um, like you said, you have highs and lows, but that's just uh, the way it goes uh, sometimes. Yeah. There, right? Okay, so. Uh, you've kind of got, got, gave us kind of this, uh, gave us, you know, how you qualify, moving up the ranks, uh, a little bit of training, um, and, you know, just listening to how young you were when you got into like the national program, uh, and now being, um, turning 27, um, you know, when we talk about the Olympics, we talk about, you know, the four year cycle, the four year process of getting there. So I want to kind of ask you how you prepare yourself. Uh, with regards to goal setting, um, and yes, our dreams to get the the you know the Olympic Games, but you know you have all these competitions along the way, um, and things that you have to go through injuries, um, like you said, COVID, uh, and just increasing your skill level. How do you goal? How do you goal set prepare for a four year span? Yeah, it's a it's a good question and. Um... You know, before the last Olympic, before 2022, it was it was a lot easier for me to plan four years because, um, yeah, because my 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 goal was 2022 Olympics. Now it's it's kind of my I, I call it bonus years, where I'm not exactly sure if I'll be at the next one, like meaning if I'll ski for that long. Yeah. Um, if if everything goes well, if my my health is good, if uh, I can. Uh, you know, still enjoy what I'm doing. And also the most important thing for me is keep getting better. Um, I, yeah, I'll be there in three years now. I'll be there for trying to qualify for the next Olympics. Uh, hopefully I, like I said, everything uh, is okay on my health side and, uh, you know, my motivation and my, my progress. Um, but my kind of my approach uh, this year and the, for the next year uh, or, or next year is one year at a time. I'm, uh, I'm not looking that far ahead. It's uh, uh, 
I'm I'm trying to uh, I, I'm trying to improve in my in my skiing in my abilities to compete. Um, and yeah, I think I have a big picture. I know what I what I can accomplish. I know kind of my potential. And for me, it's just a, a matter of being able to unlock that full potential and kind of really see where I can I can go with my with what I have. Um, so yeah, it's it's more like one year at a time for me right now. Um, I do have a couple ideas of the things I want to work on this off season. Uh, I know where I can improve for next season already. I know some some of the mistakes I've made uh, uh, tactically in, in the past. And but yeah, that basically how I used to go uh, into four year cycles. I would have kind of a big picture of uh, where I would see myself in four years, and I would kind of uh, uh, set smaller goals that would get me closer to my big picture goals. So you know, let's say I want to have a, a nice uh, back double fold cork 1080 run fast and clean well now i'm i have to take care of the the jumping side and then i'm gonna find myself some smaller goals that i can attain for let's say either training sessions training camps or off seasons um and then inch inch my way into that that nice double fold that nice cork 10 80 at the bottom and get closer to my ideal or my my uh, i run that i have in mind uh, for the the next olympics per se, or the next season. Uh, and, yeah, so and it's a big picture and then smaller goals uh, that will get closer to that big picture. That's kind of how I, I, I see my myself setting goals in the long run. And then, so a lot of times, you're like, so you're setting goals on uh, your performance, on how you want to perform. And then do you go, do you look at your schedule and say, okay, I have this competition, this competition, this competition. You know, I would like to, you know, finish top five here um you know maybe top three here and then you know say i just not having a, i have not having a good day and it happens throughout the season let me let's say this tournament if i finish top 10 top 20 it's not necessarily want but it's 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 good enough uh for right now based on how i'm feeling do you map out those uh competitions as well i i try to to uh to get too kind of uh, precise with the results i want um, just because it's a judge sport and you, you might, you might really, do, you might do the third best run that day, but you might not end up third place. So it's, it's really hard for me. I try not to focus too much on the, or be too precise with my results. Uh, for sure. When I look at the calendar, uh, now I, I have some, some experience. I've skied most of the, the course and the, co- the places that the competitions are at. So, uh, yeah, for sure. When I look at my, I can look back at my stats and see like just results wise or performance wise where I, I i have better potential of performing well or where i've had struggles in the past mm. um you know the first event of the season it's it's in finland ruka uh, and it's always been in the past it's always been a challenging place for me just because of the build of the course really tight moguls really hard like cold temperatures um and i i was never able to make it to the finals and uh, so for me this year, you know, making it into the finals and uh, being able to lay down the run I wanted to lay down was kind of a big win, even though I only finished 11th. Yeah. Um, for me, that was like a, one of the biggest wins this season, just because, you know, usually the, the, this course gives me a hard time and uh, I was able kind of to perform to the best of my capabilities or almost 
so yeah, so some places I know I'll, I'll, I have better chances of doing better than others, but I think you need to uh, to be in a need to have a mentality of wherever or whenever you show up, you have a, a chance to make it onto the podium, and it, it's kind of been even though it's it's never happened yet. Um, I, I I still think that I have the potential. Like if you if you dissect my sections of my runs in training or in competition. I I do have kind of the I can do whatever the best guys are doing. Just okay. the hard part for for me and for everyone is to put everything together. Yeah. So like, I I do have the back double fold, one of the highest DD trick. I do have the cork 1080. I uh, I can be one of the fastest guys out there. I can ski clean, but it's all my, you know it's being able to put everything together and string those sections into one run. Uh, it's it's where it's very hard. It's where it separates the the, the great skiers to the good one that that will probably make it at some point, but are not as consistent as the great ones that are yeah. always able to you know string a good run together. And that's kind of you know when you get to that level, you know everyone's training just as hard as everybody else, working on their tricks, and that's what I love the sport because especially the Olympics, it's the mental game, right? Yeah. And you know every sport's a little bit different and learning about your sport it's a little bit different when it's being judged too now that yeah. i know you guys get judged too like that's puts a little bit of a, a different uh kind of spin on it is as well uh where other sports might be time where you know you lose out on milliseconds because maybe your start just wasn't as sharp as it could have been because of your your mindset going in so really cool that i i totally agree that the mindset especially learning about your sport how crucial it is and so many different dynamics like you're talking about to technical work to a speed to let's call i don't know use the right word but like your endurance going through the mobiles you have like you said different sections of the race that you mentally are preparing for each little section makes it uh for an interesting run in sport and to try to be consistent in all three is uh yeah that's the way it goes so Kind of going off that some of the stuff you were talking about like controllables and uncontrollables and i hear it a lot now the olympic athletes it's you can't control the result you can't control if the judges are gonna judge you all you can do is your best so sometimes athletes get a little too fixated on the result like you're kind of saying and i think that like you said that plays on your the mental side of things of, instead of just kind of being present and in the moment and just making your run as smooth as you can make it run and let that result kind of take care of itself, however that may play out. Uh, so I, I agree with, you with trying not. It's it's a, it's a, a lot of it's backwards. It's it's funny, right? You want to be able yeah. to control, you know, how hard you're going and, and working, but at the end of the day, um, some of that stuff just is not in our control. And like you said, being motivated, having fun is sometimes where you got to keep your mind to to keep you consistent throughout the run. Um, so saying that, I really want to talk to you about, especially with your run, there's different, like you said, different sections, and it's something very consistent with regards to you have the moguls, you have the jumps, and then you have obviously the the finish. So in in your notes, you expressed to me meditation, visualization, and breathing. I really want you to talk me through some of the stuff you do for visualization, uh, because you can visually see the course and how it's going to look and then knowing your tricks um, ahead of time. Yeah, give, give me 
how do you visualize? What does that mean to you? When do you do it? Um, yeah, give us your insights on visualization. I'd like to like my, the audience yep. to know a little bit more about that uh, mental skill. For sure. So, um, you know, there's di different type of uh, visualization that I, I do. Um, you know, I, if I talk about my in competition, uh, what I'll do before I ski the course is just have uh, think about how it was in the past years, if I've been to that place already, and then try to feel the, the in my mind, feel the good parts that I had in the past. Uh, and then once I did some training runs and I, I know the course now, I'll write in my journal some uh, some notes like um, most of the time the jumps aren't totally aligned with the, the ski out, the, the moguls. So you need like an alignment. And then, so I'll write probably like the third, the three moguls before the, the top air and the three moguls out of the top air and the exit. And I'll do that for bottom air as well. So now I have kind of my, my rhythm in the middle in my mind. Uh, I have a rough idea of how many uh, moguls there are. I have a, the exact number of how many moguls uh, there is at the top section. Bottom section is not very uh, important because it's it's fairly easy to ski. Like it's it's always the flatter part of the course and uh, like the finish line is right there. So you, you just want to get through the finish line as fast as possible. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would, let's say um, before an event, I would visualize five top to bottoms in my mind. So from, from the start, I would probably visualize three, uh, five to six or so three quali qualifying runs with my, my simpler trick, my back full, my cork seven. And then I would do three other TWs in my, in my mind, um, with, uh, my tougher trick for my final run where the DD is a little bit higher. So I would do three of those as well. And then I would do probably five, uh, visualization of the top air with my tougher trick. And same thing with the bottom air trick. So that would be kind of my my routine before an event. Once I know all the information about the course, the condition, um, and yet yeah, the the size of the mogul, the alignment, the, the air time, and everything. Also, I'll look at the I'll look at the weather for the the next day uh, and try to include that in my visualization as well. Uh, but when let's say I'm in off season, like uh, like right now. I will, well, I won't do it today because my season just ended and I'll give myself a little, a little break, but usually it's just, uh, I try to think of, uh, you know, I, I pick a competition uh, venue and then I try to, uh, uh, to, uh, to visualize different scenarios that can happen, that could happen. Uh, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was at this, I was about to do my run and my, my goggles got all foggy and I couldn't see anything. That was like next one in the gate. Uh, and I, so my coach ran to the backpack and we switched goggles and I was next, next guy to, to, to drop, drop in the, in the gate. So that I remember back then that gave me a little bit of a stress, like added yeah. stress. Yeah. Um, so now my visualization in the off season, I'll think about any sorts of scenarios like this that will, that could potentially, you know, increase the level of stress or, uh, you know, throw me off. Yeah, throw me off. Yeah, uh, so that I'm kind of prepared for anything if something else happened like that uh, in the future. That's kind of the different uh, sort of visualization I do in the uh, right, yeah. in the off season. And also, you know, I try to um, visualize the feeling as well. I try to uh, 
remember good memories and how I felt in that in that moment when that felt good to put me in a good place mentally uh, uh, to try to chase that feeling again. Yeah. I just re- I tried to think about of a memory that uh, made me feel great. Let's say it was like a, whatever a good result and I felt great after. Mm-hmm. I tried to feel like that uh, just by thinking about that moment or that memory and that helps me uh, to stay in a in a good place uh, emotionally as well. Okay, I, I like I like what you're saying. I have a lot of questions. I got to remember everything here because um, I like this is what I like. I like this stuff and diving into the stuff a little bit deeper. And you hinted on a lot of uh, good points. Um, so let me backtrack. Let me backtrack here. Um, so what's important here? I'm just kind of I'm talking to the audience here, and what I want to say is what you're talking about when we're visualizing. We want to include our senses, right? You talk about how you're feeling. You know. Um, that might be physically, you know, am I feeling the cold? Am I feeling warm? Um, what am I smelling? What am I hearing? I think it's very important when we're visualizing, we incorporate all of our senses. And that's what you were touching on when you were describing some of the, some of your moments there, uh, I think are very important. Um, along with, I liked what you said, which was, which is really cool because I think it is important when we visualize, it's good to find those really good moments. But we also have to create those other scenarios, which might not be good scenarios, but might happen just because the way the sport goes, uh, right? So I think, you know, your goggles fogging up or, uh, you know, the weather just isn't quite what you thought it was. Uh, So it's good to visualize moments that uh, are not so positive per se. So when we're in those, when we find ourselves in those moments, we can, those stresses don't get too high. Um, but I like I like I like how you did it though, because your off season you focus more on on those kind of things, and then your when you're in season it's more the positive. So I like how you, I like how you balance that um, doing those visualization techniques. So that's that's interesting, and I think I'll take that with me when I'm doing visualization. The timing of when I use certain scenarios um, yep. is important because you don't want to use the the negative scenarios too close to competition, maybe because you don't want to feel that way per se. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that as well. Um, my other, I'm kind of just reiterating some of the stuff you're saying and putting points to it, but a question I have. So before your competition, is it when you're visualizing, is it, are you in your, let's say your hotel room or your eyes closed? Um, and you're just going through almost like a, almost like a meditative state. Is that how you do it? Well, well, when I've, Right before an event, like the night before, I'll uh, stand up, eyes closed. I'll try to take my ski poles as well, and okay. I'll go through the motion. So I'll do like the, you know, I'll have my eyes closed and I'll do like I ski the logo like that, and then I'll do my top air jump. Gotcha. And then I'll land, and I'll try to sometimes I'll time my run as well to make sure my visual visualization is very similar to my real times. Okay. Uh, so you know, I might just press start and then start my visualization and then pause and see if. It makes sense, like time wise. Yeah. Usually, it's I'm like uh, one second off, so it's it's always pretty precise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the way I do it. I like to really kind of go through the motions with my arms and my absorption with my legs, and um, yeah, might might look funny from the outside, but it's uh, it's much easier for me to uh, to uh, include the feelings when I do it uh, like that, like how I feel the impacts and yeah, uh, just the the rhythm is much easier. But when I think about the uh, you know, when I try to imagine c- c- scenarios, uh, 
so what I'll do is I'll, I'll take my phone, I'll write a location, uh, you know, a temperature outside, the visibility, is it overcast, sunny, cloudy, um, you know, foggy or whatever. And I, so I, I, yeah, what's the temperature? Is it uh, soft snow? Is it ice? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I put in all the variables in, into my scenario and then I, I create myself kind of a venue. Yeah. Uh, and then I imagine that. So it's, it's kind of, you have endless possibilities. So it's, I could visualize my whole life and I couldn't visualize like every possibilities because our sport is so like every course is different length, different angle. Some are steeper, some are flatter. Mm -hmm. uh, you might ski at, it might be 15 degrees outside or minus 30 degrees. I've skied it. I've skied in all conditions. So it's, yeah. we, we really have like a lot of uh, different options when it comes to creating uh, scenarios and trying to. So to visualize I, it, what might happen one day. So I think it's very important. People are listening to you talk and about visualization is to incorporate as much detail as possible. Um, from what I'm yeah. hearing, and I think that that makes more sense because I could visualize, Hey, I want to be, you know, Olympic champion and I'm going to visualize myself on the podium, but what do you like? Let's add, let's add more textures to that. What do you hear? You no, know, is there people yeah. chanting? Well, what, what kind of colors are there? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. adding more detail, I think as much detail as you can, I think helps with visualization. Uh, and from you talking about it, uh, whereas I think people don't add enough. Um, so it can be tough to sometimes visualize. So yeah. from my experience and I'll, let's give a scenario here. I I'm coming to meet Gabriel here and I say, Gabe, you know, I've heard your talk, uh, this podcast talk about visualization. And, you know, I close my eyes and I try to visual, visualize my run, but I couldn't see anything, you know? And I think kind of going off what we were kind of talking about before, and I've had this learning about visualization. I've had this problem myself at times too. And they're like, just visualize this thing. We don't always necessarily see the picture. Yeah. It's kind of like you were talking about the feelings and, um, even you going through your emotions is part of the visualization process. It's not always the clear crystal picture, which I think when people hear visualization, they think of an image yeah. when yeah. that's not always the case, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think part of me, why I, I go through the motion, cause it's easier to have a clearer picture when I go through the motion. Cause whether I just did it the same day in training runs, mm -hmm. um, or just like, yeah, just, it makes me feel like I'm in control of my run better. I, I can like, sometimes I'll visualize without moving, but it's just so much harder. And, uh, I'd say like for people who are starting visualization, I'd say, put all the chances on your side and add as much detail as possible and try to go through the motion with your eyes closed. I think that could help, uh, get, get a better, um, uh, better detailed visualization. If you can go through the motion and try to, uh, yeah, like you said, add, add in some details that, uh, that will probably be in in real life as well. And then my next kind of question is like, was this something that uh, someone helped you with or you just kind of developed and practiced yourself? Well, I remember on Quebec team, uh, our coach, uh, she kind of introduced it to us uh, when I was like 14 or uh, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so she, she introduced it to us and uh, with my, uh, my mental prep uh, consultant, I... Yeah, we 
she knows I, I'm really good at the like I, she knows how important I know the visualization is so mm-hmm. we don't talk about it as much as we used to yeah but uh yeah it's I, I remember starting uh doing that around 14 15 years old and and for sure the more you practice it the easier it gets and uh I think the more powerful it gets as well um, but yeah I think the Everyone should should use that. Not not only in sport, just in in life in general. Uh, you know, it's a it's a great tool for for sport. Obviously, I think you can gain a lot of uh, uh, advantage by doing that. But also, like in real life, if, if you're going to an interview and it stresses you, well, mm-hmm. try to visualize like you, like I said, different scenarios of that interview, so you're prepared for whatever question may come or uh, whatever emotion you might be feeling. So. I'd say in general, it's a very powerful tool that I think everyone in, in everyone in the world should should be using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, we kind of talk about you know having your uh, your toolbox or your toolkit, you know, especially at high performance. You know, which which mental tool are you gonna pull out in which situation? Um, and the more you have, the more well equipped you are for uh, the different. Um, challenges uh moments that come across to you and i think visualization is just a great uh tool to have in your toolbox and like you said every athlete should have have it and um it's funny i just made a post about um about like uh, performing under pressure and overthinking things and i i like what you said and i kind of mentioned it is this stuff takes practice just like anything right we're not going to visualize and you know have the best friend of our life like you have to understand, you know, what works for you. Uh, you know, are you going through the motions like you do? Are you just sitting there, you know, concentrating on your breath and seeing it? This stuff takes practice. You've been doing the sport. Like you said, you talked to your performance coach when you were 14. You're now 27. Like, I'm sure, like you said, it's gotten better over the years and, and more powerful. And people have to understand that it takes time. And <laughs> it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, don't scrap that tool just because you think it didn't work or you didn't have a good a good performance. Um, yep. It's it, you you learn yourself uh, and your body uh, and mind. It, it takes it takes years uh, of of practice. So for the younger athletes coming up, I agree with what you're saying. It's, very, it's a really good tool and be patient, right? Be patient yep. with it. I think a hundred percent. Kind of what you're alluding to uh, as well. So I'm glad you got to talk to this because. I know some athletes have talked a little bit about visualization, but you gave me a better understanding, a more in-depth uh, description of the tool itself. And uh, I appreciate uh, that. And I hope the list- listeners get uh, some value out of that because, um, like I said, it's just a tool to add to your toolkit. Uh, so saying that, I mean, you've, like you said, you're an experienced uh, skier. Um, how do you keep, how do you keep motivated? How do you keep how do you keep it light? How do you enjoy yourself? Because there's times I'm sure of your career where you're like, that's it. I've I've retired. I'm quitting. This, you know, I'm at the end. Um, how do you keep that motivation and that joy uh, to keep pursuing your sport at this level? Uh, at you know, and where you are in your career right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and I'm I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I figured it out yet. I'm I don't think I. You know, it's something I, I work on day in, day out. It's, um, you know, the motivation comes. Uh, for me, what keeps me motivated is really to see where I can 
what what kind of level I can reach, uh, where I can get in the sport. Um, I know for a fact that I keep getting better and uh, I want to see where that potential can get me. So that's kind of my mo motivation. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to talk about results and say, yeah, I want to win World Cups and get a, a gold medal at the Olympics. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's not like I can put all the chances on my side by doing the best thing that I can, but it's it's a judge sport. So if I if I put too much emphasis on results, I might not I might never get I ne I might never be happy in what I'm doing because uh, yeah, because it's not in my it's not like I need to run this distance in that in that time if I want to get that medal. It's like so it's it's a very uh, uh, it's a very hard sport if you're solely focusing on results, and that's why I try to get away from from uh, focusing on results too much. Uh, I know what my potential is. I know I can, I, I have all the tools and all the potential to end up on a podium one day. Mm -hmm. um, just a matter of trusting the process, uh, making sure I put my effort in, in into my training and I try to block uh, the noise of, you know, what this person did or uh, how this guy is uh, judging my run compared to this guy or you know, all the stuff that will not get me closer to my goal will just like take energy away from me uh, and some energy that I could be putting into some controllables. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And for, you know, I, I, I don't really think I'm the best example of having a balanced life, but like I said, it's something I'm, I'm working on right now. It's, uh, you know, for me, training has, has been my, my main focus for, 15 years or yeah, 15, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, my, my training will, will always come first as of right now. And then after that, because I need to, I need to pay for my training and my, 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 my seasons, uh, I do have to work a little bit. So uh, in order to be able to train and compete after my, my, my training will work, my work comes next, you know, yeah. cause it's what pays my season, uh, most of it. So, uh, yeah, then after that, it's obviously, uh, family, you know, I try to, uh, spend time with my family. I, I'm lucky enough to be living with my girlfriend. So when I'm at, when I'm in Quebec, I, I see her, uh, I see her very often, which is, which is, uh, which is awesome. Uh, where I might have a hard time is seeing my friends. I don't see my friends very often, uh, cause by the end of the month, uh, not much time left, but, uh. Uh, if I can, I'll, I'll try to uh, go to gatherings in the in the, the summers and try to to see them at least once a year or once a summer or more, a bit more than that. But you know, just try to keep contact and uh, keep having a good relationship with them. And yeah, but like I said, it, it's a challenge. It's not easy to be balanced uh, uh, to be balanced. But I I do think it's very important, uh, and that's why I'm I'm still trying and I'm still focusing. Uh, I'm still trying to have a better balanced life as well. Uh, it's, it's something I'm working on right now. <laughs> uh, and it's funny you say that because when I talk to um, my clients, my athletes, one of the first things I tell them is, you know, I'm giving you these tools to help you, you know, in your sports, whether it's, you know, sports performance, it might be education, it might be with relationships, um, to help you become more balanced. But I'm like the truth. Is, the truth is, you're never really, you're never really balanced, and just yeah. such, such as, such as life, right? So yep. it's like I said, things are a little bit sometimes backwards when we talk about this stuff. But um, that's the process, that's the journey, and that makes us who we are and who we become and what we value. And endurance is why you're still competing 
um, to this to this day, right? If, if the passion, the motivation wasn't there, then uh, your focus would be elsewhere. So yeah. I have to say you're doing a good job balancing your stuff right now because you know, you're doing something you love uh, and you're enjoying yeah. it. So I'll give you a thumbs up. <laughs> uh, saying that, I'm just going to play, kind of end things off a little bit. Uh, I'm going to play just a little word game with you here. I'm going to say a word and whatever comes to your mind, whether it's a word, a phrase, you just spit it out. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So the list about seven or eight different words and you tell me what comes to mind uh, when I say them. Yeah, so the first word is Team Canada. Well, just uh, pride. Yeah, just stoked to uh, to be on it. Just uh, it makes me smile. Awesome. A uh, sport culture. Uh, it, improvements. It needs to be uh, improved in the in general in all sports. I think. Uh, yeah, it needs to be improved, but yeah, getting there. Yeah, mental health. Very important. Uh, Most important. <laughs> Sponsorship and funding. Uh, lacking. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah, it's. Well, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Yeah, no, it's yeah. uh, it's not a very um, uh, televised sport or a popular sport, and yeah, could could do better with more uh, more sponsors, obviously. But, yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree. Um, athlete's voice and social responsibility. Uh, well, uh, again, uh, important. It's super important. I think we don't, it's again, uh, one of the, the most important things I think, uh, without athletes, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, everyone around the, the sport wouldn't have a job if. It wasn't any athlete, so I think the athlete athlete's voice is, is one of the most important things in sport. Uh, and then, what about family? Su- support, supportive. Uh, yeah, kinda, yeah. yeah, very supportive. Um, yeah, lucky, lucky to have uh, the family that I have and uh, their support. Awesome, I like that answer. And last one, kind of what we've been talking about, you know, the mental the mental game of sport. Um, the difference, that's the word it comes to mind. Like the, the mental game will make the difference. Ah, will make it. a big difference. Will make the, yeah. So the, that's the way I see it. I, I think that people will, who can you know, really focus on the mental game and have a good control of it. I think that's, it will make a huge difference as if they weren't, you know, focusing on it. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I uh, appreciate, appreciate your playing along with me there. And my pleasure. You know, once again, thanks for coming on board. We covered some great topics to, you know, our visualization, uh, you know, trying to stay in the moment and not get too fixated on on those final results and outcome. Um, and, you know, just, just you know, having having fun with it. And everyone's uh, on a different path, uh, in a different spot in their career. Um, and I think enjoying the process like you're talking about um, is very important. So, um I look forward to, um, you know, watching you ski uh, the next season. And now that I know a little bit more of the sport, I'll try not to judge you too hard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I think what you're doing is great. And, uh, it was an honor to be here with you today. Cheers. <laughs>